0: Just a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse. If we say anything that's factually incorrect, or even if you just disagree with us, we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know.
1: Wave. This is Eric, and I'm here with Trevor, as always. What's up? So, Trevor, so knowing what you do now about life, what do you wish you had known growing up?
0: So, I actually, when, when you first posed this question to me, I, I actually couldn't come up with much. But I think the main one is just kind of around depression and knowing kind of what that might feel like which basically for me was was that it just seems like the universe is plotting against you and like your life is cursed or something and you know one one bad thing after another just keeps happening mostly out of your control or sometimes you know because of something you did and that the way that feels and the way it you know the way it feels like everything is going downhill and kind of you know that's normal that's an experience that people with with depression have And you have to just push through it and kind of know that it's not how it feels. And, you know, Mm. and you can get, you can get help on the other side of that, which, which I, which I did, I guess I did know, but I guess I went to counseling for the first time in like 2013 or 2014, Mm. kind of dealing with long distance relationship issues. But I, I think, I think that's the main
1: one. Yeah. It's one thing to know that information and it's one as another thing entirely to know it you know to feel it
0: yeah yeah and you know I always heard that oh your 20s are crazy and you make lots of mistakes and lots of crazy things are going to happen but I mean it literally seemed like every year there was some gigantic you know especially after I graduated from college for sure like every year the past the, the past four years after college it seems like some big uh kind of hard life event happened every year, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what tools do you feel like you have developed that allowed you to deal with this, this state of depression?
0: Well, I think definitely meditation and, and exercise going on walks and that kind of thing. Mm. And actually it, we'll, we'll get into this, but Andrew Huberman has this way of breathing I'm gonna forget the exact name of it, but it's basically you do like a double inhale and then an exhale. Yes. And that, and I'd never heard of that before, but I did it. And I was immediately, I immediately thought like, that's amazing. I already feel you know, my anxiety starting to drop, and I'm sure that's placebo in part. But there, there, you know, we'll, we'll get more into this. There are lots of ways you can kind of hack your biology if you know, if you know how it works better.
1: Yeah. Totally. Uh, so was was this your first exposure to the Huberman Lab podcast?
0: No, I, I found out about it through through Lex Friedman, who's probably like one of my favorite podcasters now. And mm. uh, yeah, so he, he's had Andrew Huberman as a guest. And I think that I found out about him like three or four months ago, I guess. It was a while ago.
1: Mm. But yeah, yeah. Back, way, way back in the the olden days (laughs) it's just a few months ago yeah i I just found out about him uh just last week and i've been uh in love with his materials i love the way that he speaks very clearly precisely he he seems to speak with authority and from uh, a position of you know fully understanding in depth the actual scientific literature out there that supports these ideas
0: yeah totally and so Maybe just a little bit of background on him. He's a neuroscience researcher at Stanford, and so you know top top of his field for sure. and he's yeah he's been, he's been in the game for for a long time and and obviously knows this stuff like the back of his hand.
1: For sure. so I, I, I'm just in love with this uh, his materials. I think it's a super valuable resource, it has a lot of uh, valuable and actionable information that a lot of people, including myself, could really benefit from. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the ideas that he puts forward in one of his episodes, the one about optimizing the endocrine system, you know, hormone balance, um, he begins this episode with the idea of salutogenesis. Had you heard this term before? I had not. Neither had I. Um, But I'm sure you've heard the term the pathogen right pathogenic model
0: yeah i've heard the word pathogen i, I don't think i'd heard it used in, as as you know pathogenesis but yeah
1: yeah so he, he describes of course the pathogenic model we're all very familiar with this is kind of how we engage with medical things in our life a lot of the time it's just the idea that things are bad there's a lot of bad things out there that are uh, conditions that you can fall into, uh, ways you can hurt yourself or be unhealthy, and there's activities and things you can do to prevent and avoid those things.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, well, it, it, you said it's, it's, it's the idea that everything is bad, but I think it's also kind of the idea that everything is, you know, everything is good until something goes wrong, right? You're just kind of, mm, you're kind of retroactively right. responding to, oh, I had this problem, now I'm going to do this thing that'll help, Right which is hard totally. hard, to, hard not to do in some sense because well we'll get into this but you know you might you might think that you have to head off every possible disease or or at least you know kind of what you're mm-hmm. susceptible to genetically but the kind of the more the more effective approach probably is is this idea of salutogenesis
1: totally so Trevor what is salutogenesis
0: So that it's kind of adopting a holistic approach to hack your biology and know how you can change habits like when you get up or when you when you view certain kinds of light or what you eat or what supplements you take such that you're actually solving multiple disease problems at once right yeah right
1: so so it's more about making yourself into an optimized system that is less susceptible to uh, diseases and and uh ailments so that you don't have to head each individual one off you're just in a place that is less uh likely to befall any of them
0: right right
1: um and and at one point uh i want to clarify so you did use the term hacking your biology and for sure there's a lot of that in uh what huberman talks about and in the scientific literature on like fitness and wellness and all that kind of stuff um but i want to i want to maybe clarify that it's not necessarily all about like hacking because to me hacking sort of implies taking advantage of uh these arcane scientific knowledge uh, bits of knowledge and sort of exploiting your system in ways that it necessarily wasn't intended to be exploited in order to Uh, to optimize your system. And while certainly there's a lot of that going on, I think the idea extends beyond that and encompasses more just any sort of activity or state of mind that promotes uh, overall better wellness for the sake of wellness, rather than, uh, as we were saying with the pathogenic model, to counteract particular ailments.
0: Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. Hack kind of has a a negative connotation for some people, probably, and it's yeah, and it's it does have this uh, connotation of kind of exploiting weaknesses and something, right? Like exploiting the weaknesses in a security system so you can get in. Totally. But I I guess that the reason I think hack captures something useful is that nature. Well, it's maybe maybe misguided to ascribe intent to nature, but nature didn't really predict that we would get to a point that someday we could understand our bodies well enough to be able to kind of directly intervene and, you know, take very specific supplements Mm. or, or engage in very specific actions that, that will directly affect our, our minds and our bodies. You know, that's very, it's very specific knowledge that kind of cuts right to the core of how our body works, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of these uh, different activities that sort of converge and are, are useful for the for the salutogenic approach. Uh, and they so they all sort of converge on a state of, you know, just physical and mental well-being. These activities include things like physical exercise, nourishment, uh, maintaining a healthy balance in your endocrine system, your posture, you know, mindfulness or meditation. Making music, as we've talked about, uh, chewing practices, how that affects digestion and your tongue placement in your mouth, how that can affect your uh, physical structure of your skull to promote uh, healthier orthodontics. This is uh, really fascinating, and a uh, bit of bit of uh, data that a uh, study that maybe we'll talk about a little more in depth later, uh, but. And also improves uh, ratings of attractiveness. Uh, so all, all of these different things, uh, all of them, they're not, you know, they're not trying to counteract any particular ailment. But each of these uh, is sort of like a panacea in a, in a way, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of like you said, it's a way to optimize your body and have all the, you know, it's like oiling oiling the pistons or oiling the gears or just, you know, making sure everything's in alignment and you're not, your body's not wasting any, any energy, you know, trying to do something good or even, even, you know, harming, harming yourself somehow.
1: Right. Yeah. And a lot of it as well is about, you know, creating more dynamicism in your body um, and in your mind, you know, more agility. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There there are lots of ways to to kind of increase cognitive function, that kind of thing. Increase, mm-hmm. increase your yeah physical and co- cognitive function.
1: Yeah, so so these ideas, all of these things I've listed, you know, it's not like they're a secret. These things are out there. There's this is knowledge that is available to the public, and so had you, uh, you know, you, had you heard about each of these. Uh, sort of holistic practices before I mean obviously to some degree, but like I, I guess I'm I'm curious like to what extent You had heard about the benefits of each of these things
0: Well, definitely not this specifically, but of course, I mean, I know you're supposed to exercise regularly and You're supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah eat right have a good posture Sleep well, I mean, it's kind of you know the kind of the boiler, boilerplate advice you get from your doctor every time you go to your doctor Right the things they ask right. you about <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah definitely not specific stuff uh like there's he has a lot of specific stuff around you know viewing certain kinds of light at certain times in the day to kind of set your circadian rhythm right
1: mm-hmm.
0: that kind of thing uh yeah, yeah, specific totally. su- specific supplements to take for certain kinds of things
1: mhm and and, and so, so so even beyond just like the specific uh the specifics of like you know what supplements you might want to w- uh take in order to achieve certain results that kind of, he, he really gets into the weeds, which I appreciate. Um, and he doesn't, you know, take sides. He doesn't really advocate for any particular set of actions unless they're very robustly supported as, you know, just being generally always a good thing for people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really appreciate that as well. Um, but in general, you know, so, so, we know kind of as a culture, you know, you're maybe you're taught in school in like health class or maybe it's your doctor who's telling you eat better, cleaner food, exercise regularly, get plenty of sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like you said, it's a cliche, but what well, why doesn't that click in? You know, I mean, I think
0: I mean, well, for, for me, I I think I grew up eating pretty healthy, healthy, like thanks to my thanks to my family. Like, I you know, I I. When I eat lots of fruit and vegetables and stuff like i it feel it feels good and I like to eat that kind of thing and i don't I don't usually eat a lot of like snack food or sweets that kind of thing I means you know sometimes sometimes but in general, you know I think I'm kind of doing okay with not really paying super close attention to what I'm eating or yeah how you know how many of how many vital nutrients i'm getting i take i mean i take a i take a vitamin supplement now but yeah, I feel, I, you know, I have the sense that my intuition is basically good about what to eat and what not to eat. You know, and so mm. I, f- I, feel like, I, I guess maybe maybe that goes back to it being a cliche, right? You know, like you hear that in health class, and it's like, yep, I know that, I know that, I'm, mm. I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna strive very actively to, to, you know, be as good as I can at all these things, because you know who who does that? You get you kind of get this impression that you know no not many people around you are thinking in this way of trying to, trying Mm. to optimize. And yeah, I think, you know, we're busy. Life is crazy enough as Mm. it is.
1: Yeah. That's, so that's the question that I keep coming back to, you know, what if, what if I got to go back in time and give myself a talking to when I was 14 or something, you know, what, 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 what information would I like to have to have had back then? And you know, it's like I could go back and I could say this, hey, look, salutogenesis, you know, get out there, exercise, you're not eating enough. I could say all that, and honestly, you know, I, I probably knew a lot of it just uh, being thrown around, and I don't think I would have cared. Like you said, like, who does that? No one else around me is doing that. How does that relate to my goals? I would have thought, you know, what do I care about right now? Is it the version of me that wants to get good at guitar well I don't care about nutrition I just want to practice more and get better finger dexterity you know is it the version of me that wants to play video games a lot it's like I don't care I, you know I, I don't have to be buff to hit, hit my fingers on the keyboard to play the video game you know
0: yeah definitely I mean so so one thing I just have have pretty much never done is is workout regularly like I basically the one time where I actually did that consistently was when I had a really bad breakup in early 2018 I was like okay time to get you know get more in shape because I have to you know attract people potentially I mean I I think you know being in a (laughs) being in a stable relationship is great but it does it does kind of make you complacent and maybe not work on yourself as much as you could you know
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and yeah and I, I I mean I you know when I was in high school I played frisbee all the time like played ultimate frisbee which is a pretty good you know cardiovascular card, cardiovascular workout and you know I, I played in marching band which is also some exercise i rode my bike a lot of places uh but never never you know upper body stuff like crunches and and push-ups and and uh planks and all that all that stuff i just yeah i, I just never i just always you know i just always thought you know oh other people do that you know i'm not gonna do that
1: mm. yeah yeah
0: and yeah. and you know i I went to the I've been to the gym a couple times you know here and then I think maybe like once when we were at CU Boulder even though we had that amazing incredible gym that was completely free and then you know I mean how many times did you go there
1: I went a handful Mm -hmm. a handful
0: yeah but you know it's it's you know I I'm just kind of aware that the reason a lot of guys work out is to you know be more attractive and that kind of thing and just Mm. I just get this kind of like weird feeling when i'm just around like all these dudes working out knowing that a lot of them are just trying to you know get you know get all get all the ladies and stuff and it's just i don't know it just feels kind of uh kind of like you were saying it's it's better to do things for your own wellness than for any specific goal
1: yeah and so 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 that that, that's really interesting because i was thinking you know if if i did go back in time and talk to myself how could i make myself interested and i think it has to do with relating these activities with what you care about. Because that's the thing. If this is the salutogenic, the salutogenic model, which it is, then everything you do is going to affect everything in your life, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because as we've, as we've talked about, the, the, the basically everything in your life can be boiled down to some kind of cause. In your in your environment or something you did, right? Like you're, we have this conception that oh, we you know we can do anything we want, right? But in fact, the all most of what happens in our life is is determined by forces that maybe are really hard to understand or impossible to understand completely. But they they are there, you know. Um, one one of I want to get more into this later, but one of the the first people to kind of make me aware of this was robert sapolsky who who he mentions a little bit who who huberman mentions a little bit and he's he's one of these guys who you can just find you know complete lectures from his i think human behavior course something like that on youtube and i'm sure if you're like me and you you seek out a lot of science content that's kind of maybe a little bit more in depth than just you know kind of pop science that you would find in other places you know um, you probably have mm-hmm. seen these, these you know, videos go by of just, you know, human behavior 101, you know, in, introduction to psychology, that kind of thing. And, and eventually, you know, I, I kind of went down that rabbit hole and it ended up being really eye-opening because he talks about all the ways in which our behavior is, is influenced by what the brain is. I mean, obviously influenced by what the brain is doing, right? And influenced mm-hmm. by certain hormone levels and yeah. how they've done all these experiments to determine relatively accurately what what the things are that are shaping our behavior
1: yeah totally so and so like if i if i wanted to uh engage my younger self who only cared about getting good at the guitar maybe uh to to, you know even i was a skinny kid i was i was at least as skinny as you trevor
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I, i i don't I, I can't really imagine someone being skinnier than me, but I I take, I take your word for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was a skinny kid when I was uh, when I was younger, and I just didn't eat enough of anything, really. And I think what it boils down to is I kind of had this epiphany really recently, as um, astonishingly recently. You know, I've gone 26 years, and uh, I have not been eating enough protein. I I so I sent a a picture of my meal that I had you know foraged some wild veggies and made some spaghetti. I sent a picture to my friend Erica who is a health and fitness expert and a, a yoga guru, and she's like, okay, that looks good, but you know what what uh what are you eating for protein? And I'm like, oh well, there's a bit of uh, protein in spaghetti, you know, there's spinach in there. Uh, and she said, oh, that's, that's not, that's not enough. Um, and sh- so she gave me some numbers, which were just astounding to me. Cause I thought over the last year I've been eating enough. I've been eating a lot more than I ever have in the past. And you know, I've been getting stronger mm-hmm. than building body mass. And then she, she tells me, so the baseline minimum for an adult male about my size, is probably 70 grams of protein every day. 70 grams. I thought it was like in the 25 to 30 grams range. <laughs> yeah, you know?
0: yeah, yeah. That's a lot. I had
1: this complete misconception. So not only does she say that absolute baseline in order to prevent symptoms such as much muscle atrophy hair loss, uh, I think like nausea or like fatigue, uh, fogginess of the brain. I I forget, I forget the exact other, uh, symptoms that could occur without getting enough protein. But so she says that not only do I need 70 just as a baseline minimum, but really with the amount of exercise I'm doing and my, uh, goals for personal wellness, I should be eating around like 170.
0: That's, that's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> Man, do you do you know, like, how, how many hamburgers? Not, not you know. Obviously, you're not eating hamburgers all the time, but like, how many hamburgers <laughs> would you have to eat to get to that?
1: Level? Um, I think eight and a half. <laughs> uh, yeah, because a uh, hamburger is twenty grams of protein on average. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely. Yeah, eight, eight and a half. <laughs> uh, there's definitely other sources of protein. I've been taking like collagen supplements and uh, eating a lot of nuts. And yes, I've been upping my meat intake as well, just uh, trying to feel healthy. But so so on the meat topic, so I grew up in a vegetarian household. You know, I was a skinny kid. And I think the reason that I never ate enough is that you know, what's my major source of protein growing up in a vegetarian household? It's milk and cheese, you know, milk and cheese. And you may know by this point, milk and cheese are not well optimized for the human digestive system.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, you weren't you weren't eating any tofu or, any, or like any like seitan kind of protein type there... stuff.
1: There, there was some there was some protein uh, uh, like tofu and stuff, but for the most part uh, you know meat meat and or, sorry not meat uh milk and cheese, uh, you know some eggs but you know these animal products that uh, I having a sensitive system was having a reaction to, and I didn't uh, have the framework to understand that, and so I would just describe it. I would say all the time, like, you know, I feel hungry, but I have no appetite. There is nothing that I would like to eat. The act of, th- the thinking of the act of eating anything is repulsive to me, but I'm also hungry at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of know how that feels, I think. Yeah. I, I think about being vegan sometimes and giving up cheese is just. Like the thought of it it just, it just seems really <laughs> really hard maybe <laughs> maybe if i it, maybe if I was doing like a whatever it's called paleo diet where you just eat meat and vegetables maybe maybe that would work, but uh yeah, just just yeah psych- psychologically i feel like i'm I'm okay with being vegetarian as long as I can eat
1: totally. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, uh, sorry. Erase that totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I do not miss dairy products.
0: So you, you eat no, no dairy at all?
1: Uh, minimal dairy. I occasionally will eat cheese in small quantities, more than small quantities, uh, Makes me feel bloated. Um, I avoid milk whenever possible, um, and yeah, mo- most most dairy products. I, I I do eat a fair amount of butter, but I, I'm actually currently considering whether that is uh, healthy for me or not. So I think the core of you know how we and people can engage with these you know topics like you know why do we care. Uh, these extremely important things about our physical and mental wellness that affect every aspect of our life and yet we don't attend to uh, for the most part in our culture you know how how can we how can we engage with that and i think it boils down to like i was saying like how do these things relate to the activities we do care about so you know you know what i mean
0: yeah well what are what are some examples of activities we do care about
1: so let's say, for example, myself, a uh, younger me who cares about playing the guitar well, um, who is undernourished, uh, spends a lot of time in front of his computer screen late into the night. Um, so so uh, very uh, unstable moods, you know, because, because my endocrine system is screwed up and I'm lacking major nutrients. Um, I had a lot of lethargy in that time period, a lot of lack of motivation. Um, you know, so there's these things that I would tell myself I care about, you know, playing the guitar, but then I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have the physical energy to do it. And, you know, I would practice a lot, but I could have been practicing a lot more um, if I had, you know, the the wellness, the energy to approach that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Motivation is, is one of those things that, that, you know, pe- people, you'll hear about, you know, lack of motivation and actually feeling it is a much different thing because very, very often it doesn't seem like it's caused by anything external. It's just, you, you have, you know, you have certain thoughts about the world that seem right. You know, like mm. no matter what I do, this thing will happen. So why, why try, you know? and yeah, totally. Yeah. One one thing I thought, Huber mentioned that I thought was really interesting is if you, if you, exercise at the same time every day or every other day and then try doing some cognitively demanding activity at that same time you, you'll you usually have a lot better time at it like you'll be able to be able to focus more because your your brain and your body are trained to to be very intensely focused and exert a lot of effort during that time
1: yeah right you have all these uh, clocks within the different organs in your body that you know keep track of what time is activity time you know what time is focused time Mm -hmm. i thought that was really fascinating as well
0: yeah and of course the 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 whole motivation thing is very connected to our dopamine reward system right and that in turn is very very connected to testosterone i believe in i believe in people of of any gender right that that testosterone makes effort feel good is that a really interesting idea
1: yeah and so you're more willing to put in more effort to achieve your goals mm-hmm. and uh and this this was really s- astonishing to me. I heard the statistic, and we'll have to double check this and put it in the show notes but I heard that's a statistic that since the nineteen fifties testosterone production in males has decreased by fifty percent
0: wow that's uh that's intense.
1: A lot, (laughs) a fucking lot, (laughs) you know? And Mm. so like, what are the systems that might be causing this? You know, it's legion, you know, we could Mm. get into the weeds trying to say, you know, it might be like extreme cortisol release due to uh, messing up our circadian rhythms with light exposure due to screens at inappropriate times. uh, And that uh, cortisol is taking the resources that would have been used to produce testosterone. This is a mechanism that Huberman describes in detail. Um, or you know it could be related to the foods we're eating, the amount of processed foods uh, and you know sugar and things that do not provide us with the nutrients that we need to produce testosterone.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think those are all those are all definitely valid possible sources of it
1: mm. and uh, but so the, I think going back to the salutogenic model I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about it because you don't really necessarily need to get into the weeds with it you don't have to know exactly what is causing your your malady um, if you approach these activities that promote general wellness across the board
0: right Right. You can, you can kind of know that a certain action is going to have positive effects without knowing exactly what those positive effects are. Definitely. If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five star rating. Thanks for listening.
1: fascinating about these salutogenic activities is uh, from my own experience engaging with several of them it feels to me very very strongly that a lot of these activities are symbiotic
0: Huh? what do you mean by that?
1: what I mean is that they all sort of approach uh, a particular mode of being which uh each of them contributes, and uh, if, if you engage with any of them, they all sort of end up triangulating and pointing in the same direction, which is so fascinating because it's like indicating that maybe there is this particular state of being that we're meant to be in, you know, physically we've evolved to be in, um, that is uh, much more well than the mode of being that we normally consider as like baseline or normal
0: totally totally yeah and that's uh i don't know if that's what this is what you meant but it kind of made me think of that well yeah what if each of our organs are kind of like different organisms in a sense and they're all Mm. interacting in a way that they're they're benefiting from each other when when kind of like what i was saying when all the gears are aligned and oiled and stuff and everything's working the way it's supposed to be in in synergy Mm. you get you do get kind of a, a symbiotic effect within the the whole body
1: definitely definitely um and so so here's an example just just to really il- illustrate what i mean. So um in college did did you do any of the Alexander technique? No. I I got into the Alexander technique in college uh through the music school. Uh, this is a technique developed by uh i forget the first name. M- Mr. Alexander, Dr. Alexander. I forget uh back uh like 100 200 years ago something like that. Um and this is Essentially, a mindfulness practice built around uh, our attention to the body. Um, And it's used frequently by musicians and by dancers to increase a greater uh, degree of dynamicism and uh, wellness in our posture. You know, just like uh, uh, encouraging a posture that allows us to react more gracefully and more quickly to the environment around us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's all kind of, it's kind of about alignment and making sure you're not stressing anything unnecessarily or exerting, exerting you know, excess effort.
1: Yeah, totally. 100%. It's about uh, integrating our intentional tensions and relaxation in a way that is healthy and dynamic. Um, And so so central to the Alexander technique is this mantra sort of that's, you know, I let my neck be free so that my back lengthens and widens and my head moves forward and up. That's his thing that he repeated to himself over and over over that uh, was sort of the core of the Alexander technique. So it's promoting this particular sort of posture um, and this posture is achieved through mental activity. There's no physical activity associated with this this mental practice. And it it's, uh, from my own experiences, it's incredibly freeing., uh, it, it made me realize that the posture that I had come to inhabit all of the time was, in fact, very unnatural, very, you know, sort of hunched, shoulders raised defensively all the time, very uh, off-putting, in fact, I think, to a lot of people. And uh, it really started to feel like a prison to me that I was carrying around with, with me all the time. And my engagement with the Alexander Technique enabled me to step outside of those prison bars. And, you know, people around me notice people i knew well people i barely know say whoa you look so different than you did a few months ago
0: interesting yeah and a lot of people probably wouldn't be able to put a name to what what is making them think those or having those attitudes toward you toward you you know but they're once they once it changes they'll be like oh i you seem you see <laughs> you seem different somehow <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what I experienced. So, so there's one data point, there's the Alexander technique triangulating towards this particular mode of holding yourself, not holding yourself, but you know, a particular posture. Now, another data point, yoga, I've been engaging with yoga for the last year and a half. And yoga, while it is incredibly, definitely built around like a mindfulness practice, you know, it's a particular mental state is very much actually similar to the Alexander's uh, technique. It also is, uh, you know, central, these physical postures that you inhabit and the physical postures uh, inform the way your body interacts with itself to create a greater degree of dynamicism and athleticism. And... um, I have found that the postures encouraged through the yoga practice are basically the same in regards to the, the neck and back and head as the Alexander Technique.
0: That, that's really interesting. And yeah, I, I didn't know that Alexander Technique kind of incorporated mindfulness, but that it makes, makes total sense. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, yeah, yoga is as much about the mind as it is about the body, from what I
1: understand. Definitely.
0: And when they teach Alexander technique, do they do they go over actual like mindfulness meditation in, in silence or focusing on the breath, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, um it depends it depends on your instructor, of course, uh, and what their exposure to other mindfulness practices is. You know, typically, I think it's probably a lot, you know, is people who are familiar with meditation and breathing techniques who are also uh, the, the people who are Engaging with the alexander technique, so I think there's a lot of cross-pollinization going on there um, But it is, it is definitely um, I Think quite quite standard to incorporate those kind of things and So uh, so one more data point then uh, so there's a, a recent study showing that if you hold your tongue on the roof of your mouth exert, so uh, naturally exerting about two pounds of pressure And uh, especially when you make that habitual so that when you swallow or gulp, it exerts a great burst of pressure onto the roof of of your mouth. If you do that consistently for years, you will experience changes of the physical bone structure of your skull such that your palate, uh, your upper palate widens and creates more space for your teeth, promoting better teeth alignment. Had you heard about this? I had not. That's crazy. It is super crazy. And uh, I've been encouraging myself to do this off and on for the last year or two. And I have felt a significant difference in, well, a a very, very minor, I, I would say a minor difference in the space of my upper palate but the other thing about this technique is that people will rate a person who has been practicing it as uh, considerably more attractive than when they haven't been practicing it
0: yeah that's so, that's so crazy
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so one, one, one of the things that really uh, cinched this down to me uh, in the in the literature I was reading about it is that they actually found some tribes of people who uh, lived a sort of an ind- indigenous lifestyle and who had this natural uh, tongue posture from from childhood. you know, it's just part of their culture that they do that. And these people had immaculate teeth, mm-hmm. all perfectly in line, no orthodontra, you know just, mm-hmm how when have you ever heard of that when have you ever heard of a european or american culture uh, where just people have teeth that aren't fucked up
0: yeah that that's crazy and that's actually one thing i learned about in this this philosophy class i took this past semester at texas state and that yeah it was it was good for me cuz the the professor took like a whole different angle than any of the philosophy stuff i would really read about or heard about before i mean some overlap with you know plato and and socrates and aristotle all that stuff but uh yeah one of the things we talked about was that a lot of people in yeah what we consider maybe not as developed or technologically advanced cultures don't have dental problems and it's not because they're living for shorter time periods It's, it's just something about the way they eat and and they're you know they're not eating a whole bunch of sugar they're not uh i guess maybe you know maybe it has yeah you know, something to do with practices like you're you're describing. They don't they don't need you know really orthodont orthodonture. Mm-hmm. It's yeah it's wild,
1: definitely. And so the, and so the reason I bring this up though just to tie it back in is that the physical alignment that you do with your your tongue is promoted when you do this practice by uh, a very similar or identical posture as the ones I described for the Alexander Technique and yoga.
0: Yeah, that, that's really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I guess this is just, all all this to say, that this is just to illustrate the way that these salutogenic activities seem to uh, be symbiotic. They seem to triangulate toward a particular state of being that is beneficial. You know, it's kind of like that. I, I'm sure you've heard the... Uh, allegory of the three blind men with the with the elephant, and one of them's touching the leg and say, "Oh, it's like a tree," and so one of the other one's touching the trunk and they say, "Oh no, no, this is like a, a octopus." And one on the back is touching the tail and say, "Ah, oh, not at all, no, no, this is like a snake," you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I I had not but, heard that really, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, it's like they all have their subjective experience. Uh, of the thing, and they all see their, or you know, experience their part of the, the entire co- the the thing that it is, uh, and all of their subject subjective experiences are accurate, and the combination of them all can lead to a fuller understanding of what what the thing is.
0: Wow! Wow! Yeah, because it's it's so hard to get an actually complete picture of reality; you're usually just seeing a small little part of it definitely so one one other thing i thought was really interesting kind of going back to the, to robert sapolsky so he wrote this a uh, forward to this book called jaws which is all about b- being a mouth breather being a mouth breather for, <laughs> versus being a nose breather and which something which i'm super bad about because you know, i had really bad allergies as a kid and so lots of times my nose was all stuffed up and mm. so yeah i ha- had a habit of, of breathing through my mouth and uh i have this ear problem which i don't know if i mentioned uh called a uh, patalus eustachian tube, which is basically like one of the uh, the little, I think it's like a flap that opens in your throat to, you know, equalize the pressure in your ear that just like stays open. And so I get, you know, I hear hear, kind of internal sounds really loud in my left ear sometimes. Sometimes in my right ear too, but most often not. And it has to do with dehydration and and kind of physical and mental stress too. But mm. I, I do kind of wonder if I'd breathe through my nose more if that that problem wouldn't wouldn't be there because it does that does help if you just if you breathe through your nose it i think it it helps it helps with the keeping things hydrated, but yeah it can mm-hmm. they were saying it can it can have all these wild effects like i mean you you maybe expect that it has it helps you sleep better because of course people have uh what it's called sleep apnea, so it's so not getting enough oxygen when they're sleeping right mm-hmm. but it also apparently affects your horm- hormone levels, right? Which yeah. is, which is wild.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. N- nose breathing positively affecting your uh, production of, of the sex story homo- hormones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and yeah, like you're saying, like, again, nose breathing, you know, if you're breathing through your mouth, you mouth, you can't have your tongue on the roof of your mouth, you know? <laughs> I
0: mean, you can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kinda. I mean, it could <laughs> be on the not,
0: roof of your mouth, but not forming like a seal.
1: Yeah, not not as exerting continuous pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and nose breathing again is you know encouraged highly in yoga.
0: Yeah, I found you. I mean, I I pretty much never do yoga except for sometimes if I'm on something and I'm having a bad trip. I found that's or kind of a, you know <laughs> a a a ch- challenging trip that, that I, I found that really, that really helps kind of calm me down and, and, you know, uh-huh. yeah. So a
1: pathogenic approach to yoga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shut the, f- <laughs>
1: Hey, look, it's not, it's not wrong. You know, like Huberman says, the pathogenic model, is just the flip side of the salutogenic model. It's, 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 it's accurate. It's just, you know, maybe not as holistic
2: mm-hmm
1: yeah so like actually so uh back in colorado i went to the physical therapist because i w- was having problems with my shoulder much like uh you have been I, not not to the same same extent though but i was having uh pain sleeping on my shoulders and they gave me a rubber band and said do these exercises and i got about a week in and and stopped you know it was just impossible for me to motivate myself to do the exercise according to the pathogenic model
0: yeah yeah i don't know you've you've encouraged me to think in a in a similarly salutogenic way but uh knowing that the difference that you you know you your experience with physical therapy was not a result of like something kind of traumatic like just partial dislocation Mm. i think maybe it's a little bit different but i i do oh sure i do yeah i take i take your point uh Mm -hmm. but you know it's for me it's it's like a time thing and obviously I waste so much time that I could be putting into working out but it's it's you Mm -hmm. know the whole the whole idea that oh yeah I've been working so much and I'm stressed I just need to let myself you know relax for for Mm -hmm. this time and just kind of recharge without Mm -hmm. without exerting any effort you know
1: yeah I mean I'm super familiar with that mindset I have inhabited that for much of my life and uh more to the point I see this in my students all the time. This is a major talking point that I developed in my music as meditation course that I've taught, uh, you know, small group classes through some of the local libraries here on the vineyard, um, where, yeah, I totally relate to that mindset of you know feeling just like this thing that is good for me that i know that i should be doing that i want to be doing i don't have the time or i don't feel like i have the time really you do have the time but you don't feel like you have the energy to do it and i uh you know i, I ask my my students you know how, how many of you feel that way and you know most of them say yeah and you know then i ask like how much time do you spend watching television you know mm-hmm. how much time do you spend looking at porn or you know. you, ask, you ask your students that <laughs> i don't ask my students that one uh it, it's implicit <laughs> I'm playing video games you know
0: yeah yeah youtube
1: mm-hmm. and it's like yeah of course you don't have the energy because you've been engaging in life in this pattern remember that our body is programmed to interpret these uh, and predict these patterns of activity and so if you're in that pattern of now is veg out time because i'm too stressed because i spend too much time in front of the screen so let me watch another episode of game of thrones it's like yeah of course you feel that way you know
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and also i mean uh, this is something i've kind of mentioned before but we are in a completely unprecedented state in human evolution and you know evolution of life period because we have the internet and all this technology and a bunch of very sophisticated machine learning algorithms that are pointed directly at our brain and are very specified to keep us personally tied to the screen as much as possible, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, that, the, yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 I have mixed feelings about that because... Recommendation algorithms, although they can definitely lead people down dark paths and kind of kind of make people more extreme, I do think they have an important role to play in exposing us to new ideas and mm-hmm. kind of b- broadening our horizons, because I mean, if you don't have that, you're basically just relying on what people in your life kind of suggest to you. like that's how you found out about mm-hmm. this this Huberbin Labs podcast is you know, a friend just had to recommend it to you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess there is kind of stuff like that because you know you might hear hear someone in, in podcasts at least. You know, you could people are guests, and you could find people that way. But it's I, I do think it it is a valuable way to to kind of encourage you to learn if it's handled mm-hmm. correctly. And yeah. that is actually something I'm I'm interested in a little bit because uh, I did this Google crash course machine learning thing maybe a year ago or two and the the guy who did it was like yeah you know i work on targeting ads at google and things that are you know 0.001% of people will click on this how do we how do we improve that you know mm-hmm. but and that that kind of stuff really turns me off cuz it's ads right but the, yeah w- with something like youtube where there is so much great educational and and thought provoking content out there i feel like you could design an algorithm that that kind of optimizes for that and Mm yeah, that i people i think at some point people were wondering if there should be a this change my mind button on either twitter or facebook yeah which i think would be really valuable i don't you know i don't think if they've implemented it but something like that that maximizes for people's opinions being changed or or Mm deepening of knowledge something like that
1: yeah i think that would be super super valuable Yeah, and and I, I have mixed feelings as well, you know, about the YouTube recommendations algorithm because you're right, it's such a powerful tool for exposing you to new ideas. And when I was on YouTube, I was, you know, exposed to some really cool, valuable ideas through that mechanism that I never would have encountered otherwise. But and it goes back to the same same question, like you said, if you can handle it well, and I think I discovered for myself that I cannot. I can't handle it. It's too addictive. It's you know. It's it's designed to keep you there. It's designed t- to to keep you engaged on the platform. And I I I was addicted to that. I I couldn't turn it off.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. And I, I kind of take back what I said earlier about you know how how else are you gonna expand your knowledge? Because I mean, they're you know obviously like reading books, which. Not a lot of people, myself included, do do regularly at all these days, unless it's for like a, a specific purpose, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, you'll obviously any book will have a ton of new ideas to you. That's kind of the point of reading the book, even if it's fiction. I mean, you know, read it for the experience, but that's especially if it's nonfiction. That's kind of what you're looking for, right? Is new ideas that make you think differently, and mm-hmm. and even you know, even just like the the web in general. A Wikipedia is a good example because you know you you. You look up something specific, and then the article itself has all these links, and there's external links at the bottom of the page, right? So that is, that is definitely a way to expand your knowledge without, mm-hmm. without relying on these recommendation algorithms that might have kind of malicious motives.
1: Yeah, or if not malicious, then at least, you know, just subversive, di- different goals than your own goals. And I think that's that's an interesting theme that sort of permeates how ideas spread in general throughout a culture, you know, like, why don't we care about these incredibly valuable tools for bettering our wellness in literally every aspect of our lives? Well, maybe it's that uh, we have different conflicting forces that have different ideals, different things that they would like people to know, different ways that they would like people to act.
0: Yeah, yeah. There there are different ideas and points of view kind of duking it out in our brains all the time.
1: Yeah, in our brains and, and between people as well, you know. I mean, I think there's a lot of evidence now that the educational system that we grew up in, the uh you know, class times and uh the bell at the end of class and, you know, obey your teacher or else you go to it detention, grading of things in on a grading scale. All of these things are designed to create, you know, effective workers, people who, if you tell them what to do, they will do it, but uh, maybe less so innovators, thinkers, people who are engaged and trying to, uh, do what's best for them rather than what's best for the person who's telling them to do things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, yeah, the, the American education system is obviously broken in, in too many ways to mention, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe we, we should, maybe we should do an episode on that at some point, but
1: yeah. jeez.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do think, I, I don't think that's true across the board. I mean, certainly I, I take what you, you're, you're saying about, about, you know, grading on a, on a, on a scale like that. And, you know, kind of the regimented, class times and that kind of thing but yeah i do feel like especially once you get to to if you take well any 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 courses when you're like a junior or senior in high school I, th- I feel like those do kind of challenge you to think critically and intellectually i mean especially you know if you take ap or pre-ap english i feel like that that is is a really good way to to kind of learn how to think and learn how to learn and ex- examine things and, and think critically
1: yeah and you know it's you're right I mean there is definitely advantages uh, to the education system i'm I feel in some ways lucky to have had the education that I have as deeply flawed as it is and and lacking in and, uh, and misleading in many ways. I'm glad that I had some education rather than none
0: yeah did did you go to a public or a private school i forget
1: so I went to public schools uh, when I was in elementary school all the way up through seventh grade. I was in a, in an alternative school, which uh, was kind of an interesting experience. It was a small school where it, you know, had a more holistic approach to things, less strict. Like there weren't bells at the end of class time. You know, if, if you finished up the class and everyone's standing around for Uh, and there's 10 minutes to the end of class, you don't just stand around there waiting in the doorway in order for the bell so that you can go outside of the classroom. You're like, okay, let's go on to the next thing now, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're kind of, you're just trying to get through the the class, get through the day.
1: Yeah, and I, I thought there was a lot of aspects of that that were really freeing in comparison to what I later found out was the more traditional experience. Mm -hmm. even though at the time i felt as though i was learning less i'm actually i think i picked up as much essential knowledge and sort of dodged a bullet in terms of not picking up uh negative knowledge you know like uh internalized sense of obeying command and like not self-worth you know
0: yeah yeah kind of your self-worth self-worth being dependent on yeah, how much how much you achieve within the system, and how, like you said, how will, how well you obey and that kind yeah. of thing. And yeah, I I was lucky enough to go to to a high school, McCallum High School here in Austin that that had like a fine arts academy. So I f- I feel I feel like I got a little bit more balanced experience with you know having having more creative outlets and that kind of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, still still part of the American educational system.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely I think there's a space for a whole episode there. Or more many episodes yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I guess just sort of to tie things tie things up is a little bit just to say that I'm you know glad that I have lived a life where I've gotten to the point where I now know about these these things, these activities that increase my wellness and I'm, I'm just glad that i got to this point even if it even if it was like a long time coming you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah you have to it, it's it's difficult you have to not be hard on your past self for not acting the way you would have wanted and just you know all you can all you can do starts starts uh with with right now it Sounds sounds cheesy but it's kind of the way <laughs> it is
1: that's true
2: that's true